You're listening to the What The Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hey, hey, welcome back to the What The Fab podcast, episode 61. All right, I apologize in advance if I am super nasally or squeaky in this episode. I have another cold. I'm so over it, you guys. I just feel like I keep getting sick. I know that this cold and flu season has been worse than most, but if you have any tips for boosting your immune system, send them my way. And I'm also looking for somebody that I can interview about this topic and like things you can do to support your immune system because that's how over it I am. I feel like this is my fifth time getting sick in like six or seven months. And normally in the span of a year, I might get sick two or three times. So this is very abnormal for me. And I am doing all the things. Like I get my age hours of sleep. I drink a lot of water, exercise. I don't smoke. I take vitamin C and zinc and elderflower or elderberry or some shit that I read online that is supposed to be good for your immune system. And I keep getting sick. A lot of times it's around when I'm traveling. I just got back from Hawaii last week. I don't know. Send me your recs for things that I can try or someone that is an expert in this field that I can interview because something's got to give. But anyways, with that, Today's episode, we have a fabulous guest lined up. I feel like I've been on a roll with solo episodes the last few weeks, and I was really ready to change it up and have a wonderful guest with a super interesting story to tell to come and chat with me on the podcast. So we have Erica Altez coming on. She's from Whiskey and Lace, and you can find her on Instagram at Whiskey and Lace. And Erica is someone that I have been wanting to have on the podcast as a guest for a while. I just needed to figure out what the main topic would be. And recently, she shared something on her Instagram about how Whiskey and Lace started. And it was, you know, a very like vulnerable conversation because it involved a previous business and business partner and friend. And she went into a lot of detail in our conversation about what happened and how she was able to turn lemons into lemonade. And I just really appreciate her for being so open and vulnerable because I know that everyone listening has had something happen where they have lost a friend, whether it was something that was, you know, there was an incident, there was a blowout, something happened, or it was like the friendship kind of fizzled and maybe you were reaching out, but you weren't feeling that effort on the other end. And it's sad because it was someone that you've been friends with your whole life or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like there are so many different ways in which a friendship ends. And it's not something that I feel like is talked about super often. Like we talk about romantic breakups with kind of almost less shame and guilt than we do with friendship breakups. And so I thought that Erica would be the perfect person to touch on this topic with because I feel like just from watching her, what she shares on her Instagram and her stories, she's pretty open to digging into topics that society kind of deems as taboo. And she's very raw and real just kind of naturally on her own channels. And so I appreciate her for bringing that to this conversation as well. 
So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's get into this conversation with Erica. Erica Altes, aka Whiskey and Lace, has had a lifestyle blog since 2015. She's born and raised in wine country, a mom of two, married her high school sweetheart. She is known for her Wine Wednesday series on Instagram, big fan, Sunday Suffers. <laughs> she also has her own wine club, and she's known for her love of Celine Dion. Erica, thank you so much for joining us on the What the Fab podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we've never, maybe we've met in person like a long time ago at like a San Francisco blogger event, but I feel like we're virtual friends because just a little kind of like teaser for the audience. Mark, Erica's husband, was me and Omid's realtor for when we bought our first house in Napa. So I feel like we're friends, even though we haven't necessarily hung out in person yet. Totally agree. (laughs) It's kind of weird that we have it because we aren't too far from one another. And knowing the connection between you and Mark and, you know, that business relationship, I'm surprised we haven't met. But I do feel like I know you already. I know. Yeah, we need to have you guys over for dinner. And I especially feel like Mark will appreciate seeing how we like unboomered our house. (laughs) We've done a lot of like work on it. But yeah. I love that. Yeah, he would love to see that. He loves seeing all the transformations that people do with houses. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to dive into our chat today. I was kind of telling you before we hit record that when I launched my podcast a couple of years ago, I had like in a, you know, spreadsheet just done like a brain dump of potential guests that I would love to have on in the future. And your name was definitely on that list. And whenever I'm reaching out to somebody to come onto the podcast, I always kind of like to already know like what the hook is or the main storyline rather than just being like, come on the podcast and we'll shoot the shit. And you recently posted a really interesting story. It was kind of like your how Whiskey Lace came to be. And it also was a pretty in-depth story about a business relationship, a close friendship and what happened there. And I was like, this is the perfect conversation starter because it's a topic that not a lot of people openly speak about, but it's so, so relatable. And everybody has gone through the loss of a friendship or a business partner or a combination of both. And it's so, so hard. So that kind of leads me you know, into the first question that I would normally ask a guest, which is, how did Whiskey and Lace come to be? How did it get started? And can you kind of take us down that, that road and that process? For sure. So it took me eight years to share the story with my audience. People would ask me all the time, where the name Whiskey and Lace come from? You know, where'd that originate from? Why whiskey and why not wine? Because I have so much wine within my brand and who I am. And it was always, like I said, in my stories. So if anybody's here and has watched my stories, it's going to sound redundant, but it's a great story if you haven't heard it. It's not great, I guess. That was the wrong description. It was a hard time in my life. Anytime somebody would ask, it was like, a sword in my side. It was just, you know, that name and where it came from had a story that I hadn't shared. And I always just avoided the question. Sometimes on Wine Wednesday, if I got a little tipsy, I'd, you know, share a little insight, but never, never in depth, only because there was another person involved in how Whiskey and Lace, I call it like Whiskey and Lace 1.0 came about. And I wanted to, you know, respect her and respect our history. And I just, I I do think that there's value in keeping certain things in life private, but 
I also hadn't received much closure on the story. And then fast forward eight years, and I think I finally, I, I did finally find the closure that I needed. And I felt, I don't know, it was weird. It was right. I wasn't even planning on sharing the story that day. It just, it felt like the right time. And so I followed my gut and the response was crazy. So I had to tell you a little bit about the story. I had a really good friend. And we were not only best friends, but she was my assistant for Roxy and Quicksilver. I used to be the sales rep for them for Northern California. And she was also my business partner for an online boutique called Whiskey and Lace that we started together while we were still working together as sales reps for Roxy and Quicksilver. She was also my husband's best friend's girlfriend. So we were a lot of things to one another. Very intertwined. Yes. And looking back now, it was just kind of a recipe for disaster in a sense. I mean, it doesn't always end that way. So I never want to like tell people don't go into business with a friend because not everybody's ending is going to be the same, right? But I always now tell people have an exit strategy. (laughs) That is one thing when you're starting a business with a friend, you don't want to think about the end, right? Like you're so excited to get this brand off the ground. There's no way it's going to fail because it's the next cool thing. Or, you know, like you're just so hyped on it that you can tend to forget to talk about, well, what if life changes, right? And that's what happened to us. The biggest life change that happened to me was that I became a mom. And right before I became a mom, she had broken up with Mark's best friend and had moved to San Francisco. Our business was here in Sonoma County. and. That's when things just kind of took a shift, right? Becoming a mom was incredibly overwhelming. On top of running a business with Roxy and Quicksilver, that was like a $2 million business at the time. And then having this online business, which was very time consuming, you know, sending out orders and dealing with returns and customers and inventory, and it wasn't profitable. And I felt this like huge weight on my shoulders. And I also was dealing with some postpartum depression. And just, I think that it wasn't even just about becoming a new mom where the depression came from. It was more so like just having way too much on my plate. And I was so overwhelmed. And having your business partner who's 50-50 in the business not live in the same town also made it challenging because then resentment started to kind of build in. And this is where I totally take responsibility that I wasn't very forthcoming with how much was on my plate and it not being like, basically I couldn't figure out like how to word to her that I needed more help. You know, I would like hint at it and things like that, but it just, I wasn't forthcoming enough. And then it just got to a point like in July where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. And I gave her a phone call and I probably should have met in person. That was another thing, but I just was done. I just had hit the end of my fuse. And I just said, I cannot do whiskey and lace anymore. I need to cut something out in my life. I have too many balls up in the air. And this is the one place in my life that I can cut out in a sense, because I can't cut Roxy and Quicksilver. That was my main source of income. I was not going to you know, compromise being a good mom and a good wife to Mark. And that was the area that just made the most sense to cut. On top of that, the surf industry was struggling and I needed to let her go as my assistant as well. So I really dropped a bomb on her in her defense. I will say though that when I shared this news with her, I also said, I'm here to tell you that I you can take as much time as you need. If you take a year to need to find a new job, 
take a year and I will make it work. I'm just letting you know there needs to be an end eventually to this because financially I can't afford it. And for risk and lace, like you can pay me for that business. However long it takes you totally fine. Take you 20 years. I don't care about the money. I just need this off my plate. And she couldn't really wrap her head around why I would need to pay her when I wanted to quit. And I don't know if it was just like maybe, you know, the age, like how old she was and just not realizing like when you put money into a business, you need to pay somebody for it, you know, like if you're going to take it over. I ended up hiring a lawyer and he gave us our options, which was sell the business, liquidate the business, or she buys whiskey and lace from me, or I buy whiskey and lace from her. And I sent her these options and Mark and I were in Tahoe and I'll never forget it. I got an email that said, I choose you buying me out. And at first I was kind of like, well, you don't just get to choose that. (laughs) You know, like you can refuse your first right of buying it, but now we have three options on the table. And I was prepared to just say like, let's liquidate it together and then split those costs. But Mark being the businessman that he was, I hope I can swear on your Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) He looks at me, we were at Jake's on the lake and he looks at me, he goes, buy the fucking thing. And I like looked at him like, what? Are you crazy? I don't want to buy it. I'm drowning, you know? And he's like, just call her bluff, like buy it. We'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So so we got home from Tahoe and I sent her a check certified mail and I bought whiskey and lace, which is not something I thought I was going to be doing. And so then I was sitting there with a lost friendship, you know, and I really wanted so badly to do anything I could to make sure that however this played out, our friendship was still intact. And I realized very quickly that our friendship maybe just wasn't strong enough for that. And she really didn't want anything to do with me. She was really pissed. And rightfully so, but I also will stand behind the fact that I really felt like I was trying really hard to make sure that I accommodated things that would, you know, make it easier for her to stay friends with me. And she just didn't want it. And you can't have a friendship. You can't beg for someone's friendship, right? And that was really challenging. And it was really hurtful. And I just, because I'm not that kind of friend. If you're my friend, I'm going to be your friend for the rest of your life. And unless you do something like, you know, crazy, like you have an affair with my husband or you hurt one of my children, I will be your friend forever. Like it takes a really, it would take a lot for me to not be your friend, you know, especially at the level of friendship we were on. I mean, I invited her to be in the room when Austin was born. That's next to Mark. She was the closest person to me in my life. And so that was a really tough pill to swallow. And that was hard to get over. It took a lot of therapy to get over that. And I also had an enormous amount of guilt on my shoulders that I did this to us, you know, and granted there was a lot more that I don't, I I won't go into detail about again, out of respect for her. And it doesn't matter at this point, what the, he said, she said sort of stuff. It it really doesn't matter. Can I ask how long you guys were friends before this happened? Like five years. I want to say at least, I mean, it was a fast friendship. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. And we spent, and the reason why it was a fast friendship is because we spent a crazy amount of time together. When we would be on the road, we'd be on the road for weeks straight. There were times when I'd see more of her than I'd see more of Mark oh, when we wow. were traveling for Roxy and Quicksilver. And so hours upon hours in the car, you know, talking. And that's where the, these ideas of starting a business came about. I just think we got ourselves way in over our heads and we did not know what we were doing. And if I look back now, I'm really damn proud of us that we did it because that's hard to do. It's hard to start a business. And we did do that. 
it's really hard to go through the ending of a business with a friend. And it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. But then what happened next is I decided, okay, look, like, what am I going to do? And relatively quickly, I sold all the inventory, you know, to get some more of like what I had to pay for, you know, I basically had to sell everything. I sold it all. And then I decided, what am I going to do with this? And blogging was a kind of a relatively new industry back in 2008, I would say. It was trending for sure. It was a lot easier to grow on Instagram. And I decided, you know what? I can start a blog. Let's just do that. I can do my job with Roxanne Quicksilver still. I'll view it more as a hobby than as like me starting a business to take the pressure off. And I said, I'll just start a blog. Like it's so easy to do. You and I both know it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt very foreign. And so much of who I was then was hiding a huge story of what had happened. And a lot of people who were there following the boutique, and then all of a sudden it turns into a blog, were like, what is going on? And I just kind of was like, right now, I'm not going to talk on it. I just put up a massive boundary. And so years went by. I mean, so many years went by and I was building this brand and I was really proud of it. But at the same time, I there was still just this guilt around it, which kind of sucks, you know, like to be really proud of something that you built, but always feeling like in the back of your head, this used to be something totally different. There used to be a friendship tack to this. And now it's just me. And that kind of probably made her upset too, because it's really kind of, you know, not self-serving, but like people can see this job, I guess, as like all about you, right? Because it is all about you. That's your brand. But also you bought the name and then you did (laughs) with it what you wanted to do with it. Yes. And one of my girlfriends actually, because I I toyed with changing it. A lot of people ask that question too. Like, why don't you just change the name? And one of my girlfriends, I'll never forget it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just feel like maybe I should change this name. She's like, you fucking bought that name. And I'm like, you're right. I did. And I, and I, and I really believed that I really went through a lot to get there and I didn't want it. And now I should have pride with it, you know? So then I switched my way of thinking on it, you know, but I still just had never felt comfortable to share and then fast forward 2020, the pandemic hit and I decided I had never, t- I had never seen her. I didn't talk to her. There was no communication. And luckily she didn't live in the same town as me. So that made it a lot easier. I can't imagine people who go through friendship breakups and they like live in the same town and have to see the person that they're breaking up with. Like, oh my gosh, it's just, I can't imagine that. That would be really, really challenging or have like intertwined friends. She really came from another area. She came from the East Bay and came here to Sonoma County and had, so had her own life and her own group of friends. Whereas you know, like that did make things much easier. Then I decided in 2020, I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to her and just let her know like that I think about her and that I love her and that I hope that there's no ill feelings. I mean, this had been five years, you know, and she did write back, but I could still just, you know, how you can just feel through someone's text message. Like, yeah, it's nice to hear from you too. Thanks for reaching out. I hold no ill will. Bye. And she didn't say it exactly like that, but yeah. that's just how it felt. And I was like, okay, I'm really glad that she responded. I'm really glad she didn't tell me to fuck off. Yeah. She was very respectful, which is like, okay, you know, but I felt the energy of like, I'm still not wanting to meet with you. I do not want to try to resurface a friendship. There was none of that, like, let's meet. No, like, there just wasn't that. So I respected that and I continued living my life. And then I found out through friends who still follow her that she got married in October of this last year, 2022. And a girlfriend of mine was like, look how pretty she looked, you know? And I saw a picture of her and her husband and I was like, oh my God, she looks so happy. I'm so happy for her. I genuinely am so happy that she got married and found somebody that she loves and, you know, all these things. And 
So I saw that picture and then, you know, I kind of moved on and Mark and I went to Mexico and it's really weird. I didn't share this story on my stories, but while we were in Mexico, Mark woke up one morning and he's like, oh my gosh, I just had the weirdest dream. And Mark never remembers his dreams. Like I'm like every morning, guess what my dream was about today, you know, but not him. He is like, I can never remember my dream. And so him waking up and saying I had a weird dream was just like kind of random. And he said, I had a dream that you and -and so-and-so ran into each other at a restaurant and you guys like totally hugged it out. I'm like, what? Really? That's so random. So I just was like, okay, whatever, you know, like moving on. And then like fast forward, like three days, we go to the airport in Mexico, Zihuatanejo, which is a tiny airport. It's kind of like the Sonoma County airport. It's small. It's not big. It's not Cabo. And I look up at the bar because we were trying to stand at the bar. My brother-in-law asked this guy, Hey, can you move over a little bit? So the four of us can stand here. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I looked up and it just hit me. I was like, that looks like her husband. And Mark's like, no way. And I'm like, (laughs) it really looks a lot like him. If it's not him. Wow. Like they, you know, but I only saw one picture. So I was like, but I don't really know. And he's like, well, how can we tell? And I said, well, let's go to her page, see if he's linked. And then we'll, you know, cross-reference on so we basically social media stalked in. 100%. Yeah, you have to at that point. Just like this was weird, right? <laughs> yeah. So we saw his his business page and we saw that he had the same exact arm tattoos as the person in the airport. And that's when we knew. We're like, oh my God, that's him. I'm like, but where's she? You know, this is only a month and a half after they got married. Like, why is he in Mexico alone? Like, it's just so many questions, right? Right. So I was like, this is so bizarre, but we just, we got on our flight and I was looking to see if he was boarding it. And I was in the middle seat, Mark was in the aisle seat. And I was looking at the plane, they were boarding it from the front and the back. And I looked behind me, I was like, Mark, he's on our flight. He's like, no way. If he sits next to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, this is so random. Sure enough, guy puts his bag overhead and goes, oh, this is my seat. And I literally look at him and I go, no shit. (laughs) What are the odds of this happening, (laughs) right? Oh my gosh. I am so thrilled to announce that my flagship program and course, Six Figure SEO, is now available, and we've just enrolled a new cohort of students. You can check out my free webinar at whatthefab.com slash webinar. It's called Three Steps to Creating Passive Revenue from Your Blog and how SEO is the secret to a six-figure recurring revenue stream. So in this one-hour free masterclass, you'll learn how to take back your time and get off the content creation hamster wheel. I know we all want that. You will learn the five best ways to monetize your website to create passive revenue, whether you're a blogger, service provider, or sell a physical product. We also get into the top three biggest mistakes that bloggers make on their website when it comes to SEO. SEO. Here's a hint. You're probably making them right now and we'll get into how to fix them. And we get into so much more. We packed so much, just a ton of knowledge into this free webinar and it'll teach you how I've used SEO to turn my blog into a six-figure recurring revenue stream and how you can do the same. You're going to learn a ton from it. I know that people who have joined the first live webinar learned so much. And like I said, we packed a lot of information in there. You'll also also get a taste for what you can expect from my course, Six Figure SEO. Plus, there may be a very special offer inside the webinar when you watch it. So head on over to whatthefab.com slash webinar, sign up, and we'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. And me being shown that picture like a month prior, I would have never known. Had yeah. I not seen that picture, I would have never known it was him. 
And so he sits down and Mark, without even missing a step, he looks over at the guy. He's like, hey, are you so-and-so? And and are you married to so-and-so? I I don't want to say their names, obviously. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I looked at him and was like, I'm your wife's ex-business partner and ex-friend. And he's like, no way. And well, I'm sorry. I'm really, I was really flustered. You know, you're not preparing these moments. And I don't mean to sound dramatic, but I just, you know, I hadn't really thought much about her. I mean, I did a little bit. Obviously, I heard that she got married, but and, and I kept asking myself, like, why now? Why are all these things being brought up now, years later? Why is she being brought back into my life? And so I'm just one that's like, universe, what are you trying to tell me? God, what are you trying to tell me? Right. And so I just said, I'm I'm sorry, I'm really kind of flustered. I can't believe this is happening. No, he's all no, it's really weird because I wasn't supposed to be on this flight. I was supposed to leave on Tuesday. He was there because his parents, it was like his mom's birthday or something like that, or their anniversary. I can't really remember what it was because again, I was like out of my mind. And he said, I was supposed to be on a flight on Tuesday. And I looked to see if I could go out earlier because I've just been missing too much work with the wedding and the honeymoon and everything. And this was the only seat left on this flight today to sit in. And I was just like, of course it was, you know? So we chatted and he was so nice. And I asked about her family and how their wedding was like all the things. And by the time the wheels were up, we were done talking for the rest of the flight. But the whole time I'm in the flight for four hours, I'm just like, what's going on? You know, why is this happening? And what can I leave him with? You know, when I exit the plane, like, what do I want to leave him with to tell her? And I just said, when we were exiting the plane, I was like, you know, if you could let her know that my heart is always open to her. I'm just a phone call away. I have always loved her and I will always love her. Like I would love if you could relay that message to her. And he told me that he would. And he was like, it was so nice to meet you. And we went on our way. And then I went into the bathroom and cried, (laughs) you know, just because it was like all these resurfaced feelings of like, why can't we make this work? You know, like, why does it have to be this way? We're both good people, you know? And yeah. I mean, I have like goosebumps and like chills just hearing your story. And so I can't imagine just like the like flood of emotions that you were having. Yeah, it just was hard to sit there and not wonder why it can't be different, you know. And so I got home and I talked to my girlfriends and they're like, you know, just let her like, let her give her time, see what she does. But I'm, that's not who I am. (laughs) I can't wait. If I like want to like talk to somebody or see somebody or whatever, I just like straight to the point. And so I sent her a text message really pouring my heart out. I just told her that I was really sorry for how I abruptly ended the business and how that obviously affected our friendship. I was really sorry that I wasn't transparent from the beginning, but I also mentioned, you know, but as I can take myself out of this and look at it from a bigger scope now that it's been eight years, I said, I can see that you and I were in two very different places. It's not an excuse that I, you know, decided to end things like I did, but we were both in two very different places and I can see why it ended. You know what I mean? And so I wasn't sure if she was again going to write back. I wasn't sure if she was going to tell me to go fuck off, but she wrote back and somewhere in the text, I just really saw that she was still who she was back then. And I'm sure she's changed a lot, but how she felt about me was the same. Mm-hmm. And none of that has changed. And I had told her within my texts, you know, I just never felt like we had closure. Like we never really like hugged it out and said, bye. Like it was just like, here's a check. See you later. You know, yeah. and that was hard for me. I don't know. I'm just more of a, you know, can we at least like see each other one more time to just like cheers and be like, Hey, it was a great ride, but that's that. And, you know, I never got that. And not that she owed it to me. And I said that to turn the text, you don't owe me anything. I'm just wondering if she was kind of feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. 
she said in her text, I found closure within myself many years ago, and I hope you can do the same. I don't really have anything to offer you to help you within that. And that, I'm not going to lie, I don't want to get emotional. That was really, again, like just like a, I'm pouring my heart out to this person and like, they still just don't want anything to do with you. And, you know, rejection in any form is not easy, but it was the exact closure that I needed. Honestly, it was like, I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm done thinking about it. I'm done. I mean, here I am talking about it, but I'm done wondering if things are going to be different because I just, based on her text, know that they won't be. And so then I decided after getting that closure, I'm like, why am I not being more open and honest with this on my page and talking more about this? Because I'm sure that there are women out there who can completely relate to what I've gone through. And maybe it just took eight years to find that closure that I needed before I felt ready to share this situation. But then I shared it and I was so glad that I did. And I can honestly say that now that I look back on how everything happened and even as messy as it was, I wouldn't change a thing because I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about business. I'm so fucking proud of, you know, being in a place of not thinking I can do something and I did it. Sorry. These are tears of like proudness, not yeah, sadness. Yeah. I'm the same way. I get very like teary, like sad, angry, happy. Like it just, it all well, comes it out. That I'm on my period. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I hope to be able to tell this story without this outcome. But at the same time, I don't know if I ever will be because it was really a really hard time in my life. And there was so much growth that happened. And so there's just so many emotions and I'm such an emotional person that it comes out in tears. I never want her to think I'm curious too, with going on podcasts and talking about this. If she's just like, will she ever shut up about it? You know? And I don't mean to go through and tell these, this story over and over again to make her feel bad in any way, because I don't want her to feel bad. Not that she should. I never want it to sound like I'm like harping on her in any sort of way or using this story to, you know, garner attention. The reason I share is because I wish I had someone that could have shared what they were going through when I was going through it. So I could have felt less alone. Thank God for my friends. Thank God for Mark. But God, he was so sick of hearing about it. You know, (laughs) I just wish I could have had somebody that I was even following that I didn't even know that could be like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm going through this and I'm not alone, you know? So since I've shared it, you, you will not be surprised, I'm sure. But the amount of DMS that I've gotten of women, like I got one the other day, like I am going through it right now. Can do you have any advice that you can give is making me realize that not many people share this stuff because it is kind of messy, right? Like friendship breakups, you don't want to air it out on social media. Like Mm -hmm. you just don't, it's a very, usually private thing, even breakups with your significant other. I mean, I feel like that's more talked about, honestly, than breakups with friends. And so I want to share this in the hopes that me sharing my story will give someone hope that it's going to be okay. Me sharing this, I hope that somebody figures out that or like has hope in the sense that they will someday maybe find closure within it. And I want somebody to look back and learn, like look at the lessons that they got from it. And I want them to also like be able to stand up tall in their story and be proud of themselves, you know? And so that's my hope with sharing this on different outlets now, because you're not the only podcast that reached out that was like, can you share this? You know? And so that's, yeah, that's why I'm sharing it. And that's where whiskey and lace came from. And this brand has taken just so many different angles and I can look at it now and just be just really 
excited for the future of it. And I hope that I can be a resource for somebody if they ever need it when it comes to friends and losing one and losing a business partner because it sucks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just like being willing to open up and be like so vulnerable and and share that. And I think that I have several thoughts. First, I felt like I just want to commend you for how like self-aware and like respectful you have been in sharing this because like it is your story, but also there's another person involved. And you did share, I noticed when you first opened up about it on your stories, you did call out and say, like, I just want to remind you that like, this is from my perspective. Yes. Yeah. Because we all know every situation like this has two sides, you know, and she may hear my story and be like, that's not what happened. (laughs) And that's okay. You know, I mean, it's been eight years. (laughs) I mean, I could be, this is just from my point of view on how things went down. And I, I know that she probably shares differences in it. And that's, I totally respect that. Yeah, I want to commend you on that. And then also like just your your willingness to share it. Like you say, I think that like so many women that are like going through it to be able to, I mean, it took you eight years to kind of like get to a place where you felt like you really truly had closure, like could talk about it openly with your audience. And I think that that's just kind of like a, a good reminder for people that are in it that like it's going to be okay. But like, it's also okay if you're like, not okay right now. And it's really painful. Yeah. I mean, that took many years to get through the painful aspect and therapy and talking through it, journaling and just, you know, that, that doesn't come quickly, but time, time really is your friend in these sorts of situations. But that's also a shitty thing to hear when you're in it. Cause you're like, yeah. cool, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I need eight years. That's a long time. <laughs> Super helpful. It's not like I felt these like feelings for eight years every day, day in and day out by any means. It was, I didn't think about her most days, you know, but there was always that question that would pop up, you know, you're like, (laughs) there it is again. Where did whiskey and lace come from? So yeah, I always thought about her, you know, and I loved her. It's hard not to think about people in your past that you loved. So yeah, I just hope people give themselves time and give themselves grace if they're going through it. Yeah. And I think also kind of, looking at it from like a zoomed out perspective of like maybe in that moment and at that time it wasn't your your first choice to purchase the brand rights like it it wasn't part of your vision but like look how great you'd like took that opportunity yeah isn't that weird how god works for you in that way like it was all meant to be right yeah in the moment it was what i didn't want you know exactly. so now look at it. It's just like, well, there was a different plan in play. Yeah. <laughs> that I wasn't prepared for. Right. And I'm not necessarily like a, you know, everything happens for a reason, like kind of person, but I am a, I do have the perspective of like, you've been through hard things. Everyone has been through hard things and like, you're still here and you were able to take those hard things and turn it into something that you could learn and grow from. And now now you have this incredible business. And you probably didn't necessarily envision that when you were like considering your next steps. No, not at all. I didn't know uh, I would be in this position at all. And I'm so grateful that it happened the way it did because I was able to leave my other job and do this one. That doesn't go without saying that it was a lot of work to get to that point too, you know? So like you said, I mean, it really, everything in this story did happen 
the way it was exactly supposed to. But in the moment, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially because like, my guess is that, you know, your business partner was probably like, you know, feeling some type of way about it and was like, well, you know, I'm going to kind of like stick it to you. And like, this is maybe yeah. And then again, I don't want to talk badly. But in a way, I wasn't really surprised that she chose that avenue of me buying it. Uh huh. I'm not surprised because she had to cash a check. The amount of shit I had to do after that ended was a lot. And on top of being a new mom, you know, he was just about to turn one. And so it was really hard, but I don't know. There was this fighter in me that was like, and Mark, think, you know, that was all his idea. Yeah, <laughs> like He's a real MVP here if we're really going to get down to it. And he's been so supportive through the whole entire thing. But I, like I shared in my stories too, on touching on your spouse in situations like this, it was really hard on our marriage. We ended up having to go to like couples therapy to get through it. I mean, I had to go to individual therapy for a really long time just to like sort through all the feelings that I was feeling going through this breakup with her, but then how it was affecting my life. I mean, I was sad. It you know affected our sex life, but affected so many things because I was upset and I was really hurting inside. And so inevitably your partner's going to feel that and it's going to affect your marriage. And so my advice to anybody that is going through this and it's weighing on you, it's making it hard to be a good spouse, which is understandable, is don't let that be the demise of your relationship with your significant other. Like, Let that be the reason you fight harder to work through it. Go to therapy, do what you need to do, talk to girlfriends. You know, I relied on my mom a lot and my friends. And just know that sometimes your spouse is going to need a break from you talking about it. <laughs> I had to, I had to realize that like, you'd be like, okay, it's time to start moving on, you know, but it just wasn't that easy. Yeah. Well, before we kind of like close out this topic, yeah. I do, I have like a logistical question. You can, Erica, you can also tell me if you like don't want to answer this and we can cut it out. Okay. But my, my question is like from a business perspective, my first question when you were talking about the process of like, bu- like buying the company is like, mm-hmm. how do you figure out? Cause you mentioned that the business wasn't profitable, like Whiskey right. and Lace 1.0. So how do you figure out what that kind of like valuation is and what that investment is? So we looked at like the debt that we had, you know, that we both accumulated together. And we looked at all the inventory we had. Uh, My lawyer helped me with this process too. Like look at these things as assets, like your social media, put a number to that. The software we use to sell the inventory, the amount that we paid to come up with the branding. I mean, all these things needed to factor into the price of how much the business was worth which she helped none to get to that price. (laughs) You know, that was another way where I was like trying to figure this out and make sure it was fair. You know, we kind of negotiated back and forth a little bit on that and then just came to, I mean, by that point I was like, I don't care, you know, so here you go. And we just came to a number that way. Inventory was like our biggest asset, right? Because I could sell that and recoup costs. And then what I didn't realize at the time was how valuable the name was and how valuable the social media aspect was of it because now I have a full-on business with it and it's obviously paid for itself tenfolds. So at the time when I was writing that check, it was a big old fuck you. (laughs) Writing that, you know, so mad. I was just like, I don't want this. But now I'm like, best check I ever wrote. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of how we got there. But 
I, I mean, I don't really remember all the ins and outs, but yeah, that's how we got to that number. Okay. Thank you. I was curious, like, how do you even come up with like a number that seems fair? I didn't know how to do it either. I was like, what, I don't know what, how much do I pay her? How much does she pay me? You know? And so we kind of just mathed it out that way. Well, very proud of you for what you have been able to, you know, the entire process sounds like obviously very painful, but then you really have like taken lemons and made lemonade. Like now you have this incredible business and yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for letting me share it openly. And I hope that it helps maybe just one person that's listening. I'm sure it's going to help more than one person. I mean, like there are so many different ways that like someone might be going through a similar situation, like loss of a friend or ending of a friendship. And some of them are, are more like clear cut than others and some are are more painful than others they're all hard like whether it's you just kind of like drift apart and one person is like just clearly not as like invested in in the friendship anymore like that's really painful too even though there wasn't necessarily like a thing that happened or a blowout totally but yeah so any other kind of like advice that you want to share for somebody that might be going through something similar I mean I think that because that was a lot of people who were DMing me, um, saying like, I just, I feel like this person weighs me down. I feel like this person is more toxic and not bringing me positivity in my life. You know, what do I do? And I think you just need to be really, really honest. And that's something that I learned within this, the demise of this friendship was that I wasn't being honest. I was just building up resentment. And then I got pissed and I was like, I'm done. And so I think just being very upfront and honest, like, Hey, like, I mean, well, it's hard because every, everybody's situations are different. Right. And you have to know more to a story to really give advice on it. But I would just say like, you have such a short amount of time in your life. And I have a lot of friends, but there's only a certain number that I really dedicate a lot more time to because I don't have much of it. So I really focus on them. And if somebody is just not serving me, then I wouldn't reach out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the advice to give other than like, you just, you got to be honest and you got to spend your time wisely. And I feel like you figure that more out as you get older. Like you're not just like being friends with people just because like, it's the easy thing to do. It's just like, no, I don't have time. Like I don't put the energy towards it. If that's, you know, something I'm looking to try to say is like, I don't like call and like schedule, you know, happy hours or yoga sessions or walks or anything like that. There's only a certain number of people I do that for, you know, and just. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to give advice on this, to be honest. No, (laughs) I mean, I think that is really great advice because like, especially the honesty piece, like sometimes it can feel like what you have to say that you might want to say that is honest. It might be uncomfortable. You might feel like it might even be like hurtful to the other person at first. I like try to remind myself that being clear is kind, like beating around the bush, being passive aggressive, mm-hmm. letting playing things, games, yeah. yeah, playing games, letting things build up, like that's actually not kind to anyone. No. And so, even though it might be like a difficult conversation, and you can set the tone right away. I feel like at any in any conflict that you're having with any person in your life, how you approach the situation is going to be the outcome, you know, like if you like come at it with like a combative, you know, tone, the person's going to get defensive. Right. So it's like, you can start off with things like, I love you, but it's been weighing heavy on my heart that things going on in your life that are really negative are bringing me down too. And I just don't have the energy to give to you right now. You know, like things like that. It's just the way that you say it. Right. And being gentle and showing compassion and empathy when you're having those conversations is incredibly important. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, thank you again for being so like open and willing to talk about that. I want to shift gears a little bit. And, you know, one thing that I've noticed with you and with your, you know, your channels, like you have a very engaged audience and you use that power for lack of a better word. Like you use that influence for good in a lot of ways that I've seen and just been like super impressed with. And so I'd love to hear from you. What is something that you've influenced that you are like super, super proud of? So I take my influence. I don't take it lightly. I really feel like there's a sense of responsibility when you have this many people watching you. And you can use that to your advantage. You can use that to better your community. You can use that to promote what you wish to see in the world. And, you know, I know that part of my job is to push products and sell products and tell people where I got my white t shirt, you know. (laughs) But to me, that is just, that's not my favorite part of it. That's not where I want to put all my focus on. It's what pays the bills. So it needs to be done. And I like to, I'm an oversharer and I really like to share, you know, where I find good things and things that I love, but I want to do more than that. I've always just, it's been a goal of mine in my business to help my local community because I think with the world being the way that it is, it can seem really scary, right? Like all this shit, like how can we, nothing I do will make a change. It's just because it's so big. It's like, how can we make a change? And I just have really tried my best to lead by example and say, you can do things within your community. And I've found that just helping someone in my community, whether it be, you know, just recently, we, I saw a TikTok, somebody tagged me in a TikTok and said it was a video of this Vietnamese restaurant that was struggling. And I had never even heard of it. It's called Lee's Noodle House. And they said, Whiskey and Lace, can you help them out? And the fact that somebody thought that I could help was kind of awesome. And I took pride in that. And I was like, yeah, totally. You know, so I see that this restaurant's struggling. They're just down the road. They'd been struggling since before the Tubbs fire, like right when the Tubbs fire hit, because where their restaurant is and where the Tubbs fire went, so many homes were destroyed there. So it completely affected their business. And I had no idea that it was there. And obviously it'd been many years since of them struggling. And it was not a very long video. It was like 10 seconds. It was something very quick of just the owner of the restaurant sitting there waiting for customers and no one's coming in. And it just broke my heart. And so I was like, well, all right, like, let's do one small change. Let's influence people to go there, you know? And so I got on my stories. I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to this restaurant and I share the video and I'm going to go there and eat sometime this week. If you guys would like to donate towards leaving the restaurant, some extra money, I'll pay my tab and pay a tip on my own for my dinner. But if you want to leave anything additional, here's my Venmo, send me some Venmo and let's like try to, you know, help this struggling business out. And my community raised $2,000 for the business. So I'm happy that I can be that vessel to make those things happen. And I'm just so lucky and so proud that my community steps up, you know, I mean, there are people who donated $100, $200. There were people who donated $3. That's all they could afford. And like every bit counts. And they wanted to do something to help somebody else. And I just think that that is so awesome. And so if I can do that, why not? You know? And I mean, it does take work, but that one didn't take as much work as like, say, like the whole fire thing that I did too. But that's just one little example of using my influence to help another human being. And I, I love nothing more than doing that. It's what I'm most proud of for sure. 
That's amazing. Can you speak to the efforts that you did around the recent fires too? Because I remember seeing that one and donating to it and sharing it with on my stories. Like it's just kind of like that was a bit more work <laughs> than just going to have a dinner and leaving an envelope full of cash. <laughs> I mean, I was proud of the Lee Noodle House thing too, but I was really proud of that one. But that took an immense amount of effort. So we not only had the Tubbs fire in 2017. In 2000 and... God, I don't know the year. I think it was 2020. Oh, yeah, it was 2020 because COVID was there. So I was going to yell that for not wearing a mask outside (laughs) (laughs) while trying to feed firefighters. (laughs) That was a very hard year. We then get hit with the glass fire, which was just right after getting hit with the Tubbs fire three years earlier, there was the Kincaid fire. I mean, we were just getting hit every year with fires in this town. And it sucks. If you have not lived through a wildfire, I don't wish it on anybody. It is stressful. The air quality is horrible. And it's just, it's very scary. But what I did notice was, and what I heard, I have friends that are firefighters and I was enlightened about the food that they were being given by the state. Cal firefighters were being given brown bag lunches with things like crustables in them, licorice, like what are those bars that like crumble into a million pieces, you know, like just horrible shitty food. Oh, the like Nutra Valley or whatever, like yes, yes, Nature Valley, or yes, <laughs> Nature yes, Valley. yes, 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 those, <laughs> yes. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, these people, because there were men and women, are being sent out for 24 hours oh with shit food. How? And they're supposed to fight fires all night, all day. And I just know how much food is medicine, and I just was baffled. Like, how are they expected to sustain on this type of diet? And I'm sure that they've trained for that. But then I also saw the other side that I saw was that there was all these restaurants when fires happen because of air quality and because everybody is just dismantled, restaurants have to close. And so I just was like, all these restaurants have to be closed. Why don't I raise money to not only support the restaurants, but to feed the firefighters? So I opened up my Venmo, which is an accounting nightmare. My accountant is like, you're driving me crazy (laughs) because people are donating thousands and thousands of dollars. And I ended up raising $50,000 that Holy time. Holy shit. And we fed over 5,000 meals during that time. And we would literally like go to Lepe, for an example, Lepe's Taqueria and be like, all right, I'm ordering $3,000 worth of burritos for breakfast burritos for, you know, tomorrow morning. And I'd go there, I'd pick them up and I would go, there was these hubs that they set up in parking lots at like the Safeway parking lot and at Marie Carrillo High School. And I would take huge boxes full of burritos and then the firefighters would eat them there. And they would also take boxes of burritos and other food up to the firefighters fighting the fires in, you know, that were living on bagged lunches. And we'd also supply things like eye drops and new socks and Advil, uh, tons of different supplies that anything that they needed, I'd go to Costco every day and go to a restaurant, you know, multiple times a day and like get just supplies that they needed. And I would work directly with the different captains that were there and just facilitate it all. And I think the reason why it's so effective and why I'm able to raise money like that is because when you donate to the Red Cross, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but when you donate it, you just donate and you don't really see where that goes, right? Like when I am saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to spend every penny towards helping these people. And then I show that, hey, this burrito got to this firefighter. and You're going to watch this happen. People are like, hell yeah, you know, I bought that guy burrito. It's like it, you can really see where it goes. And so 
as much work as that was and as exhausting as that was, it was really cool. And, and it was actually really awesome because then that following April, I was at my son's little league game and this guy comes up to me. He's like, Hey, he's like, are you that girl that raised all that money and like got the firefighters burritos? And I was all, yeah. And he's all, that was the best burrito of my entire life. I hadn't eaten in over 24 hours and someone came with a box of burritos and it was the best burrito I've ever had. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, so, you know, that story alone, it was like, ah, yes, you know, like we did good. The commute, but it took, it's a collective effort, you know? And I'm just, again, happy to be able to be the person that can help facilitate those things from happening and or to happen. And, uh, I need to figure out a more organized way of doing it if it ever happens again, but I will 100% do it again. If God forbid, we have to deal with that again. That's incredible, Erica. Oh, like, thank you. <laughs> really, truly freaking amazing. I remember seeing your stories and like, I was shooketh when you were showing like what their brown bag lunches were. I'm like these, you know, yeah, like we're depending on them. They're risking their lives to, you know, try and stop these fires and we're giving them a fucking shitty granola bar and licorice. Like, well, I mean, I know that I pass out if I skip a meal. Like I can't imagine like. Yeah. And just like coming off the hill and having a hot cup of coffee after they've been there and they're so exhausted. It's like, and they're all those people were just so grateful, you know, and just so everybody was so willing to help one another. It was actually so beautiful, you know, as stressed as everybody was during those times. Like that was one of the best times because I just saw humanity and it gave me like restored faith in it. It was like, you know, if we all just come together and put our shit aside for a minute, you know, like let's just be human, you know? And we're all more alike than we are different. And especially during 2020, when there was a lot of shit going on, it was what my, my soul almost needed. I mean, I didn't need a fire in my community, but it really helped build my faith in humanity during a time when it was really hard to see any faith in it. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I just remember like being so grateful for you to provide like a way for me to like do some small action because you're sitting there feeling like so helpless and just like, you know, it looks like Armageddon outside and you're like, when is this going to be over? So to be like, oh, here's like a small action that I can take that like will help people that are working to like put out these awful fires. Totally. And I appreciate you being grateful towards it because I got so much criticism on top of it and so many accusations being made. It's like, and that comes with our territory, right? Wait, 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 excuse me. What, (laughs) what was the criticism? Well, well, you know, I was outside and when you're doing all these things and you're running all around, I wasn't at the time thinking that we were also in a pandemic. And so like, I wasn't wearing a mask. I was like, you know, you're putting our firefighters at risk. And I'm like, Susan, go do something for your community right now because I don't have the time for this. (laughs) I just couldn't take it. Or, you know, then there was this crazy rumor and this came out like a year and a half later that I took all that money and I built my house. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) No, I have all the receipts and my accountant can for surely tell you that I ended up paying more than what I don't got donated of my own money. So it was just like crazy that people... They just have to find something. It's exhausting, but I shouldn't focus on that because the story overall, yeah, the majority of it was incredibly positive, but there's always those few that are just like have to throw it in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Jesus, like no good deed goes un- unpunished. <laughs> like, come on. So people. true. I was just waiting for the recent one. I'm like, okay, what didn't I do right here? You know, <laughs> I just like, I try. 
I don't steal. I don't cheat. It's not in my nature. I would never do that. I firmly believe in karma. So like whenever I tell people, Hey, I'm going to, you know, whatever you donate, every penny is going there. Every single penny is going to whatever I say it's going to go. Yeah. not pocketing it. <laughs> right. There's no doubt in that. I mean, again, just like, thank you for all of those incredible initiatives that you've done. I, I love like seeing what you're doing and like how I can contribute. And like, it's, you know, so nice to be able to be like, I was able to support that with like a tap of a few yeah, buttons on my phone. It. And, but you're the one like out there doing, you know, the really like difficult work. You guys, I just discovered Newly and had to tell you about it. It's a fashion rental subscription service. So it's basically like Netflix for clothes. I also have a $10 off discount for you. So I'll let you know how to get that in just a sec. So here's how it works. You pick out six pieces of clothing that get shipped right to your home. You wear them for as long as you want. And then when you're done, you send them back in the same packaging it arrived in. There's a return label in there and everything. Super easy. And they have such cute pieces from brands like Anthropology, Ralph Lauren, Badgley Mishka, Free People just to name a few. And if you fall in love with a piece and you decide you want to keep it, you can buy it at a super discounted rate. Like I'm seeing anywhere from 15 to 70% off the retail price for the pieces that I have at home right now. You also don't have to worry about washing anything or even if you accidentally damage it, you know, you spill some coffee or pop a sequin or two off, Newly will take care of it and you won't be charged. Personally, I am feeling a little bit uninspired with my closet and my clothes right now after the pandemic. So Newly has just been a great, affordable, sustainable option for me to have a bunch of new outfits every month and just get excited about dressing up again. You can pause or cancel Newly at any time. And I also have a referral link for you to get $10 off your first month. Just go to whatthefab.com slash newly and newly is spelled N as in Nancy, U-U-L-Y. Enjoy and let's get back to the episode. What you were talking about kind of leads me to my next question, which is, can you think back on your time being an influencer and is there any time that stands out to you as being like the most difficult or the hardest kind of period of being in the influencer space? I mean, I'm sure you could agree with me on this one that 2020 and 2021 were really, really, really hard to navigate. There was so much going on. And I like to pause when things are happening in the world. I like to reflect on things. I like to have conversations with real people in my life before I just come out in a public way and say something. But when you don't just come out and say something and you don't just take a stance, people will attack you right away. I mean, it happened many, many times. Your silence is deafening. How come you're not talking about this or this or this? And that's just not my nature. And I don't feel that that's responsible. And I am not an expert on everything that's going on in the world. So I don't always think that I'm the right person to talk about it. That doesn't mean I don't have an opinion on it. That doesn't mean that I don't have conversations within my real life, but it comes back to that responsibility as an influencer. And I guess some people think that because I have this influence, I should talk about every single thing. I don't agree with that stance. I think that people nowadays could venture to be a little bit more quiet for a second and really think before they share their opinion. I think that social media has given everybody this place to just spew whatever they want in the moment. 
that's just not who I am. I want to be intentional with my thoughts. I want to be intentional with my feelings on things. But again, that doesn't mean that I'm not thinking about it or I don't have an opinion on it. And again, sometimes it's just not, I don't feel that I'm the person that should be speaking on it because I'm not an expert. So sometimes I will share, you know, thought provoking things that I found from other people who are more experts in that realm, whatever is going on, you know, those were the toughest times for sure. And they, they haven't ended. That's for sure. (laughs) We still encounter them all the time. And, you know, I use this analogy a lot. I use it on another podcast that I was just on, but you know, when you're like sitting at your kitchen table with like your family and your friends and having conversations around politics, religion, and anything controversial going on in the world, they typically don't necessarily end terribly well, right? Most of the time, you're not going to make the person across from you change their mind. You're not. You maybe enlighten them a little bit, but it's not an easy thing. It's not a comfortable thing to have a conversation about just around with people that you know and you love. So times that by thousands and the amount of noise you get when you start doing that, like it's sometimes really hard to take in. And I don't want to sound like a victim here because I do put myself in a position of having an audience and I'm aware of that, but I can't always mentally and like emotionally take on lots of noise like that. It does bring me down and I have thick skin, but there are things that people say that are ruthless and it's hard because you're human and it's hard not to take them to heart. But I don't like putting myself in the position of, you know, setting myself up to get that kind of feedback all the time. Sometimes I'm ready for it. Sometimes I'm fired up and sometimes I'm like, fuck this, this is bullshit. And I will share on it, you know, but for the most part, when it's these really big things, I want to take a minute and be intentional. And I feel that I've handled it pretty well. Not everybody may agree that I have, and there have been mistakes along the way that I've made for sure, but I am just doing the best I can with the position I'm in. So let's just hope we I'll start coming together as one in this world. We don't have to have so many problems to talk about. I know. It's so hard. And I feel like, I mean, you're totally right. Like, we're not experts in, like, all of these different areas. We're not news outlets. Mm -hmm. But we do have these, you know, Omid's always like, it's like Spider-Man. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. And, like, people kind of, like, by not saying anything, people take that as a statement as well. Mm -hmm. And I also like have experienced, you know, myself, like when there were a lot of Asian hate crimes happening during the pandemic, I was like, why are people not sharing about this? Why are people not posting about this? Like, I feel like I'm just feeling like really not seen. And so I, you know, remember that whenever something horrible happens to like, different communities, Mm -hmm. the LGBTQ community, like whatever, you know, horrible like thing is on the news. And I'm like, I don't want one of my followers to feel not seen and valued and and recognized and supported. So it kind of like creates this thing where I'm like, okay, I need to like post really quickly. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like when there was evictions happening in Sheikh Jarrah Mm -hmm. in Palestine, I, I was definitely like, I think too quick to reshare some like graphics and like infographics about mm-hmm. it because I didn't want my Palestinian followers to feel like not seen. Totally. And then I, it, I had a whole flood of like, oh, bitch, you're going to learn today. Like, we are thrown so much information at a time. It's hard to know what's up and what's down. <laughs> and you're like, what's true and what's false. I've gotten in trouble for that before where I've shared something without knowing everything. And that's why I wait a sec, you know, and, but it is hard because I do have a lot of thoughts and feelings, but it just, 
we aren't in easy positions, you and I, and people, I think, don't realize that, that aren't in it. And again, I'm not trying to sound like a poor me because again, I try to put the energy out that I want to get back in the world. And I think that there's so much noise that I don't always want to contribute towards it. I want to be like, you know what, guess what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to go and I'm going to go find something good to do in my community today. I'm going to go and I'm going Mm -hmm. to buy a homeless person a meal. And I don't always show it on my stories, but I just like the ripple effect, you know, and it's hard, the position that we're in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, sometimes things can appear like very black and white Mm -hmm. at first. And then like maybe more information comes out and you're like, oh, it's not so black and white. And like, if you're quote a normal person and you're just like having conversations, like it's totally natural for your opinion to change. But if you have an audience and a following and you post something that's like, that's kind of like what your, you know, your audience sees as like, that is your truth and you're not allowed to change your mind and you're wrong because of X, Y, Z, or you're right because of X, Y, Z. Well, right. Cancel culture has really, I think, done a disservice to people like me and you in a sense that I'm terrified to say anything sometimes because it's like, people will come after you and you're not going to please everybody. We know that, right? So like, it's not an easy position when you do think that somebody can just take your words. And even if you should learn something and maybe you were wrong. But if I come back and I say, you know what, I was wrong. I did this and this and I shouldn't have done that. It doesn't matter, you know? And so that's, what's hard. It's like, we don't allow people to make mistakes. And that bums me because that's the only way any of us are going to learn. And so I just think that cancel culture has made it so influencers don't say things at all. And that's not the case for me. I will speak on certain things when I feel that I'm have the right opinion and the right information to do so. But I think that that's why a lot of them do stay silent. And I don't know if I can blame them. I'm not, it's not for me to say whether they should or shouldn't, but for me, I just want to be very intentional and make sure that I have like all the information before I just have an opinion on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have one more question for you as we start to wrap things up, but I kind of hinted at this earlier in our conversation, but I've just noticed that you have a very engaged audience. And I think that that can come through in really positive ways, like the incredible, you know, funds that you've been able to raise and the conversations that you have. I think it also can come through in negative ways, like we were just speaking Mm -hmm. on of people like you getting lots and lots of noise, criticism for like doing something really wonderful and positive. (laughs) How do you think you have created such an engaged community? And what do you think sets you apart from other people in this space? So I want everybody to come to my space and feel like they're almost walking into my home. And I want them to feel like they can tell me anything and they're not going to be judged. I want them to come here and feel like they've got a friend. And in that means that I have to answer a lot of DMs, which takes me hours a day. I was going to ask you how much time you spend responding to DMs because I'm like, you must get, oh. I don't know, hundreds a day. Like, and you respond to them all. You always respond I mean, there, to I definitely, me. <laughs> there are certain topics like yesterday was my birthday, you know, I posted something and I was like, and then you just see, you know, anytime I open up my thing and it's like, I'm not going to get out to all of these. And, but my hope is that the people who know that I will, like I, people are forgiving in my DMs with me because I know if I don't get back to them right away and they come at me again, chances are I'm going to catch them, you know? Yeah. And it's important to me. If somebody's taking the time to send me a DM, I feel that it's only respectful to try your best, you know, because I'm not going to get to every single one all the time, but on a regular basis, get to a lot of them 
So they feel connected. I mean, it's all about connection, right? And I feel like that's why they're so engaged is because I engage back. And I, you know, I just, I think that's why I think people just really feel like they can really connect with me. And I got asked the other day, is it really you in your DMs? Like answering them? It's me. (laughs) I don't have an assistant doing that. I don't feel that that's the place it needs to be me. And it's how I learn a lot about what people want from me. I also really utilize the tools within Instagram to ask my audience what they want. I get their input on a lot of things and I'm starting something new. I get their advice. If I need something, I'm like, dude, I got a pool of people and it's awesome because I know they have my back. And I think they feel that on the other end. I hope that they do, that I appreciate too, that they're there. And I'm not just here to schlep ads at them all the time. I want to be able to provide them a laugh. I want them again to leave my space feeling better about themselves or feeling like they have a friend in me and like they can connect with me and what I'm going through. Cause I'm not always just this like positive person on there. I'm, I try to be funny, but there's also moments when I'm had a bad day and I'm share it sometimes, sometimes I don't. I mean, people can kind of pick up on things, you know, I think that's why they're so engaged is because I engage right back. At least I think so. I should ask that question on my stories. What question? Why do you guys engage with me? You know, it would be interesting to know the reasons for it because it's hard to kind of put it into words because there isn't just this one thing that I do. I think there's multitudes of things that make it engaging. Yeah. I saw something on your stories. It looked like you did some kind of like in-person meetup too. Oh, I did. Yes. So with my wine club, I work, you know, to try to like do at least one in-person event. COVID obviously put a big, that was like the beginning of the wine club started in COVID and there were so many like hopes and dreams, like all these fun events that we're going to do. And then it was like, we can't do any. And so I think connecting with people in person is really, really, really awesome. And so I try to do little meet and greets here and there. I mean, we live in such a beautiful place that why not pull people together? I've always wanted to do, you know, some sort of retreat, even bringing women together and connecting on an even deeper level than just a two hour meet and greet sort of thing. But you know, I need a team. (laughs) time to do all of it. I love connecting with people in person. Also, I mean, I see people out and about from time to time, whiskey and lace, you know, and Oliver's and I'm like grabbing a kid and like (laughs) trying to get out of there, you know, and, but I always am just so appreciative of meeting people. I love meeting strangers. I don't know what it is. I attract people. It's real weird. And I do love it. You know, I just hope people don't catch me like picking my nose or something. That would be embarrassing. (laughs) But, you know, awesome. I just try to connect with people on all levels that I can and get creative because I don't see a lot of people in my space doing those things. So I try mm-hmm. to separate myself in that sense too. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Erica, I appreciate you so much for taking the time and just like being so open and, you know, willing to talk about all the things. Thank you for having me. Yes. Is there anything coming up for you on the horizon that you're excited about that you want to like share about or give a little teaser to? Well, I may be dabbling into the podcast world myself. You know, I don't know if you had this when you were starting your podcast, but there was like, there's days where I'm like, yes, I'm so excited. This is going to be so great. And then there's days I'm like, "Eh, should I really do this? Totally. Is this really something I want to take on? Is this really something I'm going to be good at? You know, I don't know. I'm good on stories, but am I good here? But I also feel like, why not try it? My friend said it perfectly. She's like, even if no one listens, and even if you only do one season of it, and it goes nowhere, you have all those audio journals that you get to have. So there's no loss in it, you know? So that is something on the horizon. I've also like a big goal would be to do some sort of cookbook. I love cooking. I'd love to put a spin on it with like, you know, making it really funny in there and dropping some F-bombs, you know, because it's just only in my nature to do so. (laughs) And to make it fun and make it, you know, but again, like I've got two kids and 
life's crazy. And so one thing at a time. So I'm going to start with the podcast, even though I think my audience would rather me do a cookbook, but you know, sometimes you gotta just do things that feel right to you. And I think that it'll then benefit by having a podcast will then benefit having a cookbook too. So those are a couple things that I would love to accomplish. I'm not putting any pressure on myself and I'm not going to put a big timeline on myself either. I'm just going to take it as it comes. That is awesome. And you should not have any like doubts around whether you'll be good at it or not because you're such a great like storyteller, conversationalist. Like, I mean, all you do is, you know, hop on and talk about interesting things. And so like, (laughs) and you already do that on your stories. (laughs) I know I'm getting mixed up in my words sometimes. So like that's kind of intimidating and like, like I'll lose my train of thought. And so I'm just like, oh, great. Here's a brain fart. And it's in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> that's okay. That's what editing is for. You just smooth that out. True, and it's like, true. it didn't even happen. Or on my, in my podcast, I will probably leave it in because I just feel like those are sometimes the moments, like the imperfect moments are what people want to see more of. You yeah. Know? When I'm on my stories. Sometimes I'm just like, ah, screw it. Just throw it up. <laughs> or in my reels, my recipe reels, I see my peers doing these like such beautiful reels around recipes. And here I am, I'm like, oops, forgot to put in the lemon in my reel. I'm not going back and I'm doing, not doing it again. Yeah. You know, like I just think that there's something to be said about the imperfectness and that's just who I am. And I got to stop trying to be so perfect like these other people because it's just not who I am. So I'm going to allow that within the podcast, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you clearly know like who you are and your brand and what connects with your audience and like, you're going to kill it. Thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate you being so supportive too. It's so nice. Oh my gosh. Of course. Well, Erica, where can everyone find you if they want to connect with you, follow you? So I'm on Instagram at Whiskey and Lace. I am on TikTok at Whiskey and Lace blog, but I don't post there much because I don't understand that world really Same. at all. And then I do have a blog and I'm dedicating a lot more attention towards my blog in 2023. It's uh, com. So those are kind of the areas you can find me. Amazing. Erica, thank you so, so much. I really enjoyed this conversation and I know that listeners will too. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to be here. All right. Thank you again to Erica for spending time with me. We ended up just like shooting the shit for like an hour after we stopped recording, just like talking shop, talking business. She's launching her podcast. It was just fantastic to connect with her. And I appreciate her for taking the time. If you enjoyed this episode, maybe it struck a chord with you as well. Like I said, while we were chatting, I literally had chills when she was talking about kind of having that closure and how that all kind of all those coincidences that happen to give her that. And so if it struck a chord with you as well, I'd love it if you could take a screenshot, share the episode on your Insta stories, tag Erica at Whiskey and Lace and tag me at WTFab. Let us know what you thought about it. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the What the Fab podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it's the plus sign in the top right. You can follow the podcast and we're coming out with these episodes weekly. Thanks so much for listening and we'll chat again next week. Bye.